Kenya, I'm back on the podcast with Matt and Mr. Ryan Shealy. Uh, and joining me again is a, a panel of two additional these fucking teenagers overthinkers. Um, Mr. Jordan Stokes coming to us from uh, from Brooklyn, New York. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing all right. And Matt, uh, Matt Rather coming to us as always from uh, the left coast of America, from Los Angeles, uh, California, in it's Los Angeles. It's the circle of life. Yeah, exactly. I was just, I, I just did get uh, held up uh, over Pride Rock earlier today. It was awesome. <laughs> Home. That's right. That's right. This, this 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 episode will now be these fucking racists, in which we make a lot of stereotypes about and and, and jokes about the fact that I'm in Africa. Only one. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 Ryan. I'm I'm uh, sorry. I don't mean to make jokes about it. I, in fact, I bless the rains. <laughs> yeah, are you done? Are you done? <laughs> probably, probably not by a long shot. I, uh, sorry, I, I was making a meta joke about Disney's racism, uh, so I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm clear. My, my like three or four levels of meta uh, means I'm above your your categories of of racism and such. Nice. Yeah, you gotta. You, you, that's that's the only way to get past that uh, hegemonic narrative. Um, so, but I'm glad to be back. You guys, uh, you guys held it down well last week, though. Um, t- t- discussing the funk episode of of Glee, and now we are here to uh, to discuss the uh, the season finale of Glee. Um, the uh, what was the title of the episode? Was it just called Regionals, or was it uh, Journey? Was it something else. Oh, it was called Journey. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, works yeah, on so, so many levels. It works on basically no, two levels. No, precisely two <laughs> levels. And I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that um, in a in a in a minute. Uh, talking about sort of you know the the theminess of the episode. Um, but as always, uh, hey, Ryan, what ju- uh, what 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 a- what channel is Gleon in Africa? Uh, uh, it's on KTN, um, Kenya's uh, finest uh, news and entertainment network. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought you know it's 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 right after uh, reruns of uh, Two and a Half Men, uh, <laughs> which really is on KTN. Um, you know, no. Yeah, it's, I have it's a question. On, on, yes, like if you were to call up your uh, your your fiance and like have her set up a video chat over Skype or whatever, and watched Glee through the chat window. Would that be an illegal rebroadcasting of uh, of Fox's intellectual property to a you know a non U.S. market? For sure. That's I mean, they would see it that way. Really? So just because, even if it, if it was, yeah, because I guess they even um, what because it's it's because anything that's not viewed live at the time, express time, which they view it is uh, is not is not legal. Well, no, but this this is live at the express time. It's just that you're looking, right. you know, you're looking through a window into a room in America where Glee is being broadcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the the idea is, well, uh, American television shows, American media generally makes a lot of money selling off the foreign rights to things. In fact, a lot right. of films, for example, are financed by selling the form the foreign rights before American backing is obtained and and before you know frame one of of uh, film is shot. And that's how you know that's how they get that's how they get the the cash to um, to actually go out and make the movie. And so by sort of subverting Fox's ability to sell the um, to sell the show in the Kenya market, I, I uh, uh, that's right. Well, it's because when I have Rachel hold up uh, her MacBook Pro to the TV and broadcast it, I'm not just watching it myself. I'm inviting all of Nanyuki over to my apartment to watch the season finale of Glee um, live streamed through how Skype think, video chat. How do you think? Uh, how do you think? Them, charge them about. Uh, uh, let's say. Let's say fifty Kenyan shillings a head um, to, uh, to to join in the show. 
Well, what um, how how do you think Glee would be received in Africa, or do do you do we know something about? Well, Africa is a big place in in Kenya, maybe, or in uh, you well, know, so, uh, so in the part I of Kenya. That, I think that actually, I mean, I think that because so much of Glee is about the you know this the the nostalgia uh, invoked by the the, the recycling. Um, of of American pop hits, it would it would be there'd be hits and misses. Um, I say this because actually uh, last night um, I I uh, actually for the first time did karaoke here in Nanyuki. Um, so there's a new uh, there's a new bar in Nanyuki that's um, it's upstairs from the the new modern supermarket, the Nakumat that opened uh, in in Nanyuki, and they uh, they started having a Wednesday karaoke nights uh, here. Um, and, uh, you know, as, uh, as a, as, uh, anyone who listens to the other overthinking of podcast knows, or who reads the site, you know, we take our, um, our karaoke pretty seriously here at, uh, OTI. Um, we subject so, it to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. Yeah, exactly. But I'll say that, you know, um, you know, the, so the, the, you know, we just recently had a series of two articles about, uh, you know, overthinker Lee wrote a, um, uh, developed a karaoke formula. Uh, to sort of help select what is the optimal karaoke song, and one of the one of the characteristics um, is uh, is the popularity of the song. Where I guess I mean so and and so that I think breaks down here, right? Because there are certain songs that were popular in America that are much much more popular here. So last night at karaoke, um, the Gambler was sung twice, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, whereas um, I so I sang. Um, I mean, I guess, so I, I, I'm still figuring out what songs will get a good reaction here. And it's not necessarily the ones that would get, um, a good reaction in the States, right? So that a lot of, of, of the sort of specific popularity and nostalgia, um, uh, associated with a pop song is very much embedded in a particular cultural context, right? Um, so there are, um... Um, there are, you know, there were like pop songs on this karaoke list that people, everyone was singing along to, but they weren't, you know, certainly I don't, um, I don't even think don't stop believing was on this, on this list. Um, let alone, I, I, I doubt that don't stop believing would be like a played out karaoke song, uh, here, uh, here in Kenya, let alone, um, you know, a, a, a strong sort of nostalgic big number in a show like Glee. So, um, it's hard to say it, it would be, it would be interesting, uh, I think I think some of the humor would would still translate some of the the general um I think I think they'd still like Sue here you know um uh, <laughs> um I don't know maybe I should do a focus group <laughs> you should do you should do a controlled you know a, a randomized uh field experiment on the uh... and that's how that's how we know things that's how that's how we know <laughs> <laughs> in the social, in the social, right. in social I prefer a more um, I prefer true. a more top down model of knowledge where a right. uh, you know that's why I'm a fan of Gossip Girl you know what I mean where a cultural elite dictates the uh, correct tastes you know to a to a to an underclass of um, of drooling yokels. Well, if you want to, you know, contribute to the top down uh, in production of information, uh, there's a lot of ways for you to join in the conversation. You can uh, email us at our new uh, new email address, tftpodcast uh, at overthinkingit.com. Uh, you can give us a call at uh, 20 fat jog one That's 203 203- Two eight five six four zero one, and leave a comment on the show notes. I mean, and, and I've I've really um, oh, and and follow us on the twitters, uh, twitter dot com slash uh, tft podcast. Um, and and you know, I've been really happy over the last week when I've been traveling um, and and um, sort of uh, watching the emails come in. I mean, I've been really thrilled with the level of of reading responses that we've been getting in. You know, we we put out the call, and um, I got to say, it's it's. Uh, pretty pretty high quality uh, group overthinking of uh, of a lot of the aspects of glee. Both in the show, both in the show notes. Like this was a great comment thread this last week. Uh, a lot of it about class. Uh, who has money on the show, and, and you know because that seemed to be an issue, and it was it was briefly an issue in the in the finale, but also in the uh, in the reading responses, uh, one from Oliver uh, that we may get to. Uh, and one um one from Monzen 
I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, which was an astonishing, so good that I, I kind of want to publish it on Overthinking It. Um, yeah, if that's, it's really if, a great, uh, like, as uh, uh, a detailed breakdown of the uh, voting, of the judges' room voting scenarios um, and what what voting patterns could have produced the uh, the, the rank scene that actually happened uh, in this episode. Really, really detailed sort of uh, choice, voting choice theory analysis uh, by Monzen. So very, based on, very you know, cool based on the dramatic evidence of what we know the judges like, and also we see one, we see one card. So there you go. Yeah. So great, great sort of, uh, you know, forensic ballotology. Um, you know, we could actually, uh, Monzen, if you're free on August 4th, Kenya's having a constitutional referendum. Um, and I think your skills <laughs> would actually be extremely useful uh, over, uh, over here. Um, <laughs> Let's launch into it. All my jokes are about, like, Kenyan politics. Like, I'm gonna, all my references are going to be, like, these really deep cuts of, like, like oh, man, that's just, like, uh, Jeff Konyanga's voice on, the, uh, on the, uh, the voiceover to his new show on K24. It's hilarious. Hilarious. That's a real barn burner. Let's do some overthinking. Oh, come on. I, you want to overthink Kenyan news channels? Um, no, <laughs> that's not what we're here for. Um, well, all right. Let's, let's, let's get right into it. Um, I mean, I think that we, we, have, we have an outline, but I'm going uh, to skip the outline because that's the, the privilege <laughs> of being in charge. Uh, and I'm going I'm to just go one over. And, you know, we talked about the, episode, the title of the episode is Journey, right? Um, and and the, when, when Will uh, goes into the... Um, uh, the, the choir room to sort of set the cognitive agenda for the week. He writes journey on the board um, and gives a speech that has, like, I mean, the, the key line in the speech is life has one beginning and one end and the rest is a whole lot of middle, um, which is like really, I thought was really interesting because for uh, like an argument that it's about a linear journey, this was an episode that was all about callbacks to um, the other parts of the first season of Glee. Right. So that, um, you know, that even like the early shot of uh, Mr. Schuster's busted muffler dragging on the ground was a callback to the second, uh, the second episode of the show, the first episode of this season. Um, you know, Journey, just the reprise of Don't Stop Believing. Um, and then the, the celebrity reappearances of Josh Groban and Olivia Newton-John. Um, you know, you had a lot of, uh, on one hand, an assertion that time moves inexorably, inexorably forward, but at the same time, a fair amount of circularity. And I was wondering what that sort of you know means within the themes of the show um, and and within the, the the sort of framework of journey. Well, you talked about nostalgia before, and I think that this mm-hmm. is I think that this is one of the things that Glee capitalizes uh, on really successfully to um, to appeal to people, right? There's a sense of uh, and and this is something that Jordan has written about. Like, there's a sense of familiarity that goes that goes with pop songs. There's a sense of oh yeah. There's a sense of kind of homecoming and um, and like one of the themes of of Glee is kind of finding a place for yourself or sort of slotting into uh, you know as as an individual kind of slotting into a society and the, and the interplay between, uh, between being an individual and being a person with kind of lateral relations to other people. And so the, um, you know, the, the idea of nostalgia, uh, the idea of kind of looking back to, um, looking back to something previous, I think pervades, uh, pervades the show, uh, in the use of flashbacks, in the idea that, that Will is sort of reliving his former glory, um, the, the idea that, uh, that Sue kind of again and again and again gets these, I mean, she keeps this, this trophy case at home. The idea of a trophy case, actually, now that I mention it, is, is about nostalgia, you know what I mean? Is about kind of reliving former glory, or at least kind of foregrounding, uh, foregrounding what's what's past. And it's a it it it's kind of a burden to to carry all that. Um, all that past around with you. So may, maybe even rather than, than circularity, it's a model of, uh, it's a model of, of a whole lot of middle where the past is always kind of carried forward like baggage into the, uh, you know, into the future until at one point it kind of ends and you, you drop it all in death. Wow. That was depressing. Yeah. Uh, another way to think of it is to, to go the, um, the, the Heraclitus of Ephesus route, right. And say that, although oh, of these things are, <laughs> 
they do come back, but it's not the same. It can never be the same. I mean, that's what nostalgia is, right? You go and listen to something like Let's Get Physical. You're not having the same experience as the first people to hear that song, right? It's a different experience because time has passed, even though it is the same song coming back. Um, and like the... So, so, like, this plays out in a bunch of ways in the episode, right? When, um, when Quinn's mother says, I'd like you to move back in, right? There's an interesting kind of exchange of looks there. And the way that I read it is Quinn is sort of saying, like, you, you no longer know who I am. Like, you're not inviting the daughter that walked out back into your house. You're inviting a completely different person. And it's not going to be the same house either, right? Because her father is gone and so forth. And I mean, like, when you, when you ever you have a musical where in the second act, and this is a pretty standard thing to do, you have a reprise of a song from yeah. the first act, it's not the same song. Because whatever's happened in the meantime there is going to change how you feel it. So th- I think this is the first straight up musical reprise where they've taken, we finally had a number that they did in an earlier episode, come back and be performed again with journey there. Right. And like when they're singing that it's not exactly the same performance. It's uh things have changed. Very specific things have changed. They have different singers doing it. Um, I think that there was a, um, within the episode, the second Kristen, uh, Kristen Chenoweth episode, uh, home, I think it was called the one that with all, all the Burt Bacharach songs, mm-hmm. um, there was a reprise of I forget which song it was. Was it a house, within, within, not a home. A house not a home? Within one episode, yeah. But within I think one. This is, I think this is the first time we've had a song from an episode travel forward yeah, and yeah. be performed again. Well, yeah, and they're yeah, bookending. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I agree. Mean, so it was like sort of like a macro reprise. No, I think that's yeah. what like worked really well. Is that you know on one hand there wasn't a lot of um, new stuff in this episode and and. But what what I thought worked really well was um, it was very careful to sort of look backward, right? And you know, and I think that I feel like that not to you know um, really put a nail the final nail in the coffin of the great Glee Wars of of two thousand nine. Um, but this is not a lazily written show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is very nicely done. Like there is, it's, you know, like we've we, we've made an argument. This is a show about memory and about sort of. Um, sort of imperfect human cognition. And so this experience of, um, I, I think you're absolutely right, that um, a reprise, like the musical role of a reprise, is also um, echoed in, in relationships of um, people that are, are sort of, um, you know, people have changed and they, and they meet each other again, um, and, and the dynamic is slightly different, right? I mean, you see this in, in Will and Emma, version 2.0 or 3.0 um and in in finn and and rachel as well right um that there's somehow a um that that there is um a slight modulation um and and it's refilled it's filled with the meaning of what's come before yeah yeah absolutely and they even have that i mean it's a little bit I thought that it was at the same time totally lame and still kind of awesome when they had everybody go around the room and be like, this is how I've changed, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that is, I mean, that is, that, that's the sort of thing that gets done, right, in, in, in that kind of touchy-feely mode of high school, you know? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very true to life, actually, but it's the kind of thing that, like, five years later, if they are looking back over their high school experience, yeah. you're going to be like, oh, remember that time we sat around in the Glee Club room and we're all like, this is how I've changed? Man, I wish I could take that back. That was lame. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. And, I, and it also captures this, like, the feeling of, like, you know, the way uh, uh, Rachel is looking at Jesse while he's performing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and, you know, how much they they hate, you know, like I, I can imagine them five years down the road being like, oh, remember how much we hated, uh, hated vocal adrenaline? Um, and, and what seems like such a, such a big deal at the time, right? The, the tensions are so high because the stakes are so low, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And, um, and so it's, uh, it's, 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 I think, really interesting. I mean, even Puck, Puck actually just uh, comes out and says this uh, when he's trying to uh, convince uh, Quinn to to give it up right he says um something to the effect of, effect of we're in high school do you think either of us is going to care about finn in three years right so like like punk doesn't even give it to uh the you know the high school reunion um like- <laughs> yeah he doesn't even get it till they're they're all graduated from uh yeah from college or or yeah. you know but um 
so I mean, so that the, I mean, this is interesting. Like this, this alters the moral universe of of Glee, right? If in fact, if in fact, the show is is ultimately behind this idea that that life is a beginning and an end with a whole lot of middle uh, in between, and that that Puck's Puck's way of of you know philosopher king he, that he is, Puck's way of putting it is that. Um, it's just it's just a whole lot of experiences, which strikes me as a as a very amoral way to uh, way to look at it. But certain things we know are sort of moralized in the universe of Glee, and and one of them is virginity. Not just because Quinn was the uh, the president of the celibacy club with their their immaculate affection, whose you know whose uh, balloon intercepted gropings uh, recall the Russian wedding games of Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> but you know um but also you have things like it it seems to matter to will and it's supposed to matter to the audience that Emma has not uh <laughs> Emma has not forgive me been drilled by the dentist uh <laughs> unforgivable <laughs> she also hasn't been filled remember <laughs> Um, uh, right. Yeah. No, there's been no drilling or, or filling going on. And, and right. When, when, uh, when Will asks, he seems to, to catch himself and realize that, wait, no, she's a, you know, she's an adult woman who is, you know, free to make her own decisions. She's not accountable to me. I, I shouldn't ask about this. Um, I shouldn't ask about this. So, uh, but she interrupts him and says, by the way, you know, no, no. No, I haven't. I haven't slept with him yet. Acknowledging that it is important to him, it's important to her, and by extension, it ought to be important to the audience that she is still uh, not just like a virgin, but actually a virgin. There's also kind of other aspects of sexual initiation that we get in this episode with Artie saying, you know, I had never kissed a girl before, um, you know, before Glee Club. It's funny because, like, there there are uh, there are virginal women and uh, there are like Madonnas and whores on. Glee, right? Uh, uh, Rachel's a Madonna, Emma's a Madonna, um, and uh, Santana and Brittany are whores, you know? And Quinn, it's funny because Quinn uh, has sex, gets pregnant, but seems to retain a lot of the, the kind of moral status of one of the Madonnas, right? right? Or regains, regains that moral status, right? Well, right, yeah, it's I kind mean, of... It's, it's through a process, right? <laughs> through a process of labioplasty. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, which was totally undone in this episode, I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> right, oh, yeah, well, so... <laughs> But I was I was actually thinking that um, during the episode that like du- you know during all of this kind of tender Quinn Puck stuff, look you lost your virginity you're a fallen woman now it, the least you can do is go out and have some fun right uh, if if this is a consistent a consistent moral universe but I think that I think that we have to rec- recognize Quinn as kind of a as kind of a, an excluded middle you know like someone who has kind of uh, who has kind of fallen but but gotten back up again? Yeah, I wonder. Um, uh, actually, listener, um, listener, um, uh, this is too bad we missed the opportunity for a musical number of tub thumping. That would have been wonderful. Uh, for, for <laughs> Quinn singing, singing tub thumping by Chumba Wumba. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I get knocked uh, up. I think show choir arrangements, tub thumping. My God. <laughs> except, except the lyrics would have to be I get knocked up. But I, I don't go down again. Yeah, yeah. No, but I don't go down again. <laughs> You're never going to keep me down there on that. Um, I think um, I know so where you're going. About uh, about Quinn is also relevant. Um, a listener Oliver wrote in with a point on um, some some of the, uh, just a pretty uh, in depth discussion of, uh, of of Quinn um, and and sort of some of these tensions both in how they how they played Quinn and her development sort of you know how this episode was related to her development throughout the series um, should we should we should we read the email or yeah let's 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 hit some of the highlights now oliver is making an argument um he's making an argument that uh uh he's making an argument related to the 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 glee wars of ought nine where um it's about lack of consistency in the characterizations um one of the things that he kind of highlights positively about her character is her kind of calculating and manipulative um, nature early on in the program where she sort of chooses Finn as a potential father over Puck because he'll be – he uh, – 
uh, he'll be a better father. Um, she's she's trying to maneuver being uh, pregnant, being an unwed mother or unwed pregnant mom um, through the the Cheerio social hierarchy. Um, and, right, so, and then Oliver nicely compare nicely actually compares her to uh, to Blair, right? By identifying her as the queen bee of the of the Glee universe. Yeah. Well, so then, so then, so here the here the finale hits, and Oliver's criticisms start. Um, that uh, he 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 kind of wants a torrent of anger to come out of her mouth at her mother when mom uh, when mom comes back. You know, how dare you reject me? Um, how dare you reject me all this time? I, uh, I, I actually, I'm, I'm not totally, I'm not totally on board with Oliver with some of these points. But let's, I'm, I'm going to get the whole argument out before we, before yeah. we take it up. Um, uh, Quinn should have railed against the woman. He says for not uh, uh, only allowing her to be rejected by her peers, but also letting her family, i.e., her father, uh, re- reject her. Um, then there's the birthing sequence where Quinn is saying, "Let me go," along with Bohemian Rhapsody to her unborn child. Not quite sure that's the case, but um, okay. Uh, that this is sort of Medea-like for Oliver. Um, that uh, and so so he he goes on. Perhaps it's television sensitivity to teenage pregnancy that we never see the type of internal conflict over wanting to parent versus wanting to just have the baby and move onward. Uh, perhaps it's the limitation of the actress playing the part. Hey, that's I'm not sure that's fair. Um, however, we get the same type of post-feminist ideal that the baby or interaction with the child will change a bitch into a Madonna in Quinn, uh, Shelby, and even Sue in one episode, um, which which uh, Oliver calls calls disappointing. Um, so, okay, what what do we think? I think Quinn, Quinn was saying, "Let me go to the to the like the orderlies and the the people in the birthing room who were like holding her as she was sort of trying to to thrash around." I'm not sure that that "let me go" was kind of saying was going in a, uh, a metaphorical sense to the child who who whom she was extruding. It could be though. I mean, to the whole the whole situation that she's in, she wants to be out of it. Like sure. She okay. She wants to just escape, right? She wants to go, like, skip the journey and get right to the end, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Out of all as, the journeys yeah. that one might want to skip. <laughs> um, well, what about? I mean, should Quinn, should Quinn have told off her mother uh, instead of? And Oliver says instead she literally loses her shit when her water breaks. Now, I thought you don't actually lose your shit till you have the baby. I mean, I know you empty your bowels when when you actually squeeze that head out, but. Uh, Right, but um, I don't know. I've, I, I actually didn't mind it. I, I actually saw Quinn's mother is more aligned with her even when she was being kicked out. And it's the, uh, it's the, it's the father, you know, the father is kind of um, guardian of, of things moral or, you know, is uptight douchebag uh, who really did the kicking. And by rejecting, by rejecting the father, Quinn's mother, you know, re- kind of reaffirmed that she's aligned with Quinn and can, you know, can, can help her. You know, uh, too little, too late, sure. But, um, yeah, no, it's a little, it's a little Vichy France, right? Like, um, you know, it's a little like, oh, we were wrong. Uh, sorry, you know, take us back. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it's interesting. It's not that she, uh, she comes and says, well, look, I've kicked your father out because I told him that yeah. I'm going to be there for my daughter and yeah. you have to yeah. choose. Uh, no, it's like I kicked him out because he was doing something bad to me. And now I need you. And I, I mean, I yeah. do think that Quinn has a lot of reasons to be mad at her mother, but I don't think that her not actually telling her off right then and there is necessarily a big failing on the show's part. I feel like it's actually a lot, a lot more um, damning to their relationship that Quinn's reaction is kind of, I'm not even going to deal with you right now. Like, I've got other things going on in my life. I have to well, go have she my gets, Yeah, she gets... I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is narrative. Wait, it's the, yeah, what, the way... What it, what it is amounts to is that it's like she can't deal with it. She can't even, like... It's like it's like her body... So, I mean, and I think Oliver's reading is kind of on. It's like that rather than having her retort even a little bit and then have her water break, right? They could have written it in a very... In a slightly different way where she starts telling her mother off and then loses you know, like breaks her, her water breaks because she's so crunk, but instead it's like, um, she can't even, she can't even take it. Right. And, 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 and just the, the only release comes from, from a physical release. And that gets her out of this, you know, having to, 
um, call her mother kind of a, you know, not exactly a hypocrite, but, you know, so certainly um, call her, call her mom's uh, BS. Um, is that, is it, do you share Oliver's disappointment that uh, Quinn has gone from like a, a super calculating sort of manipulative character at the beginning to someone who is kind of so at the uh at the mercy of these powerful emotions it, uh, and a lot more sentimental at the end of the at the end of the season i don't know i mean it doesn't it doesn't bother me that much i mean it 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 it, it fits with i mean you know, she's hormonal wanna... give her a break she's hormonal no, right. i mean if, if it, it fits with on one hand um, I think that it, it just is, you know, it winds up in a place that is, you know, similar to what, what Jordan was saying about everyone going around the room saying what they learned, right? It, it steers us towards a place that ends up a little back to school special. Um, um, but I think, you know, if, if in terms of this sort of, in, you know, the interpretive frame that we've applied to the, the show of, you know, Glee being in part a show about kind of irrationality, um, certainly, you know, emotion is is certainly one way in which sort of uh you know goal oriented um 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 sort of rational uh uh rational choice behavior is bounded right um and so i mean i think within that view of glee i i still don't think it it creates sort of lazy you know a lazy writing problem um necessarily but it does it leads to a place where um i mean i'm not necessarily um you know, I don't. I don't know that. Uh, I don't have a huge problem with it, but it's not like it's not. It's it's also not like oh, that was awesome. That I, I feel th- really good about that. Where, where I think Oliver hits it right on is that he he perceives this. He perceives this this kind of strange status of Quinn, who was a bitch, and and you know now then kind of like was a fallen woman, and now is something. Now is something else. You know, uh, to a certain degree, I think that's just the the arc that all of the quasi-villainous characters have been following. I mean, you can look at Puck, right, who starts off as this uh, roid-head asshole and has softened, you know, by degrees over the course of the season. Even Santana, who is like, she's kind of like the stand-in for, uh, for the old bitchy Quinn, um, has, has softened somewhat. I do think that, that Oliver has a point about it being a little bit distressing that you have... These uh, these characters, these female characters who are like very, very manipulative and very, very, um, I don't know, very, very coldly rational and have them all sort of dissolve into a pool of, uh, of rose petals and, and wine or something towards the end of the season, um, especially through exposure to infants, is yeah. not super great. Well, the particularly bad one, that, 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 that. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> the particularly bad one. Shelby is the most distressing one, right? Because it's like, yeah, Rachel, I'm writing you off as a daughter. Fuck that one up. But here's a new baby. You know, it's a new, you know, it's a new, better and uh, unfortunately whiter, right, baby that I can that I can get things right on. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I I think probably that we may have kind of seen the last of Shelby, in which case that's exactly how it's turning out and it's really disappointing. However, if they do bring her back, like it's kind of interesting that she's she's bootstrapping herself, right? She's decided I don't really like what's going on with my life, so I'm going to reinvent myself as a mother. And it would be really cool to follow up with that character and show how like that doesn't actually work, you know? Yeah. Um, Similarly, I think it would be really great if, uh, you know, next year, next uh, next season, whatever, we see Quinn falling back into her old habits and starting to, like, you know, pull strings and mess with people's emotions and all that stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, this is interesting, right, because they they end on, like, a fair amount, like, a pretty heavily resolved note, right? So, like, of the show itself uh, or the season itself, like, in contrast to Gossip Girl, which ends every season with, like, three at least three non sequitur cliffhangers right that like it's like um uh you know this is like oh actually the club will stay together i mean in some ways i would have almost liked them to start 
season uh, season two, I guess the full season two, with the club disbanded in disarray, and like everyone's like off in the world in their own ways, um, and and then they have to kind of like you know, um, Ocean's you know, Eleven, uh, Ocean's Eleven style, get the old yeah. brothers, yeah, right? yeah, exactly, yeah, or get like, the, you know, like reform, guys, like like reform like Voltron, you know, like we're um, getting the band, yeah, we're getting we're getting the band back together. We're on a mission yeah. from God. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think that they will still. I mean, I think I, I. I do hope. I mean, I guess this is. You know, this is the shatter in me, right? This is the shatter that I, I do hope that that season two starts with a lot of, um, you know, all of these kind of good feelings and and all of uh, you know everybody learning a lot about themselves, kind of falling apart um, in, in in pretty big ways. Um, I don't know. Just I mean, I think it will, right? Because that's how how you make. Um, you know, a certain amount of drama, right? Otherwise, it's like, oh, what? It's another season of like um, people working really hard to to succeed. No, <laughs> overcome something. Overcome something. <laughs> well, what, speaking of of working really really hard to succeed, um, you know, one of the things that uh, that gets said late in the episode when um, when Shu grabs Emma and plants one on her is uh, is that some things are worth fighting for. Do you want to uh, do you want to go this direction? Do you want to talk about about overcoming obstacles, or would you rather talk about the Bohemian Rhapsody baby montage? Do you really think I'm in charge anymore? I mean, are you even like you're even like just going for the thinnest of pretense by even asking me? You just undermine my authority. It's well, um, it's like like the British Prime Minister. I go to the monarch to you know to uh, perform the the uh, empty but still historically meaningful gesture of being asked to form a government. Yes, you know? please form form a government in this podcast. Um, <laughs> I guess that means Jordan's Nick Clegg. Uh, so, um, uh, oh, that funny system. Let's um, let's let's let's. I mean, I don't know. Let's let's go. Let's go this direction. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, love, love as a battlefield. Um. <laughs> um yeah okay so right like the idea that some things are worth fighting for comes out in the context of uh of the the circumstances that they think that the glee club is going to be disbanded because you know sue hasn't had her change of heart yet or hasn't revealed her change of heart yet um and emma is you know screaming at the principal she comes out and will's like look we we took our shot and lost uh which actually strikes me as a as a pretty healthy attitude um you know rather than this kind of constant this constant stream of uh, this constant stream of you can be anything you want to be that we seem to, to feed kids these days. Um, the idea that like you know hey it, we we tried and we didn't make it like that's okay you don't always make it we're going to move on. But Emma is tenaciously clinging on to this you know for the kids we have to like show them that that anything is possible uh, you know and Will's response is to conflate the struggle for Glee Club with the struggle for Emma right that. Um, you know that uh, uh, there there are kinds of contests. You know whether whether between the um, uh, <laughs> uh, whether whether uh, between Emma Will and Emma's uh, tongue depressor, uh, the dentist, or the um, the uh, you know between Will and Sue, uh, right? That that these things are all kind of. Uh, conflated together and also are part of the you can be anything you want to be ness of of this universe well i think it's interesting that like the word is 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 fighting for it rather than kind of working towards it right and and i ah, think that good almost point. right so that like you know will's image of fighting for something is kind of just about um uh like thrashing thrashing around in a somewhat forward motion kind of way right and i think that this is <laughs> Um, I mean, this is, no, I, and I say, That's what she said. I say this, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, no, but I think that, like, I, I think that this is like reflective and this has come up in some of our comments and we've talked about it before as well that, you know, yeah, they, um, the Glee Club has like a lot of, you know, good ideas, but there's, there's an overabundance of good ideas. Like part of why, um, vocal adrenaline, adrenaline was better is that, you know, I mean, I guess we've seen them do a number of different kinds of numbers, right? But, um, you know, certainly 
their Bohemian Rhapsody looked pretty well rehearsed, well choreographed, well um, well laid out. You know, they definitely uh, came up with like, oh, Journey, we're doing Journey. You know, like two days before uh, mm-hmm. before sectionals, right? And that you know, having lots of good ideas and kind of um, wildly, you know, going on a wild goose chase with every whim you have isn't necessarily work, right? It's not. It's not workmanship. It's not craftsmanship. It's 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 fighting, right? Um, and so that um, and 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 I think Will approaches his um, relationships in that in that way uh, as well. Yeah, it's interesting. In a way, you see like the the paratext sh- shining through the text because part of one of the reasons why vocal adrenaline is able to like have that really polished number is because those actors, those dancers, those singers probably had the time to work on that for like, you know, a month and a half before they uh-huh. perform it. Whereas uh-huh. the, you know, I, like I, I was working out the, the math with my wife and it, I think that the, the main cast of Glee gets two weeks per episode about, and that is not nearly enough time to put together like a whole bunch of dance numbers, a whole bunch of songs. Well, like, and keep, we, I mean, we sort of talked about this, didn't we before that, that the, like, keep in mind, they're not just, shooting the show they're recording the album they're rehearsing the live tour they're doing promotional appearances there yeah i mean like it's neil patrick harris when he was on the show said that it was one of the more grueling sets that he'd ever that he'd ever been on and that's a guy who knows from television and knows yeah. from knows from knows from musicals so we are i mean these kids are being being driven really hard you know yeah i mean it's it's definitely interesting that these sort of the excess of energy and abundance of effort and and the sense of struggle and even antagonistic struggle seems to be the way that you're supposed to get things done right like you can uh you can show up vocal adrenaline not by doing really well and beating them at the uh at the regionals but by like working up a whole other number and bringing them in and making them watch it you know because that way you get to to rub it in their face and have that uh that antagonism which is somehow crucial to like to the way that you get things done in the Glee universe, right? I mean, do you think that it comes back to uh, something that we've been talking about in the the show notes um, for the last episode about class dynamics um, and sort of this kind of effort or or struggle as as a uh, as as a dynamic of the underdog of this sort of middle class or working class um, th- that seems to be affiliated with. Um, with what is it? They're at William McKinley High School, right? Um, with New Directions, um, and so that that it really is about it's some combination of like some kind of um, you know ve- Mark's light combined with a kind of uh, uh, just a just a dash of Max Weber, right? Like mm-hmm. um, it's like it's a little bit of Protestant work ethic combined with like you know the the struggle of the working man rising up against the uh, the, the oppressors. Except the the work ethic isn't really quite Protestant because I feel like the Protestant work ethic is like you, you you don't reinvent yourself every five seconds. You go in and you do your job every day for forty years, right, or or yeah. longer than that. I mean, it's um, I think that it's that Mark's light might be the way to look at it. That it's it's like a very particular kind of disenchanted post nineteen sixties view of the counterculture, which is that like. Because those promises were not kept, you know, because the 60s didn't end war and violence forever, um, when people try to change things, they feel like, oh, well, we've got we've to figure out some new way. Because that old way of changing things, that didn't really work. You know, the, the idea of sticking with something for the long haul and incremental change over time is something that people don't necessarily really believe in. Instead, you have a, a, it's Maoist. That's what it is. You need continuous revolution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so Glee is the cultural revolution, basically. <laughs> <laughs> let a Pretty thousand much. let a thousand flowers bloom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been. Oh, I mean, and you know, and they almost did end the uh, the season with everybody being like sent off into the countryside, right? But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, those. It's funny. Like, hey guys, n- no big deal. Take the summer off. Hang out seems to be, um, uh, you know, seems to be the, uh, uh, the, the message, which is maybe, which is maybe like a message to the, to the listeners also, right. To the Gleeks, like, Hey guys, chill out for, chill out for a little while. 
Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess they just told us what our what our uh, these fucking teenagers' summer school should be. Nothing. Just enjoy the pop culture. Jeez, guys. Why do you have uh, to overthink everything so much? Yeah, exactly. Their me- their message is more that school's out for summer. You know. Yeah, uh, I was and- actually kind of shocked that we didn't get that song. <laughs> I've kind of like been been counting on it. Um. Uh, can we talk about about Bohemian Rhapsody uh, uh, just a little bit? Maybe maybe there's nothing to talk yeah. about except that it it struck me that this is a pretty dark way uh, to score the the birthing of a baby. Like, Mama, I just killed a man. You know, um, uh, uh, Beelzebub has a devil for a son. Uh, you know that this this is kind of not a very positive message for. Uh, bringing a child into this world like maybe well, maybe maybe it's this. ironic Out, but outside of the context of outside of even this context like what is bohemian rhapsody about um um i i i have a little a bit of trouble sort of parsing it or is it is it even worth attempting to uh to parse i mean i always had an imaginary opera plot in my mind about uh sort of struggle between um, Central European armies and the, uh, the Ottoman Empire. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think that that's what they had in mind when they brought it into Glee, certainly. Well, it's, I mean, there's, um, and hey, there's, uh, if you buy the, um, the Queen Videos uh, DVD, there's a great special feature on it uh, where they get the old, like, 24-track ta- two-inch tape of uh of the original um recording of bohemian rhapsody and you know kind of annotate it like oh yeah this is freddie's scratch track uh piano scratch track right and this is where he was like working out some vocal ideas and they listen they listen through to it uh kind of one track at a time it's it's absolutely fascinating if you're into that kind of thing um but you know i mean it it seems like there's a uh it seems like in the kind of the verse, there's there's a plot, and then in the extended opera, there's a plot as well, and they're they're maybe related, but not entirely not entirely the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I think that it's definitely one of these songs where the the sort of overall sense of excess about it is much more the point than anything you can pull out of the lyrics. Right. That like, sure. Whatever, whatever, what, what is Bohemian Rhapsody about? Well, it's about what happens when you have a metal band that does a a fake opera. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's about excess, isn't it? It's about, uh, yeah. Okay. I buy it. Well, I think that that then makes sense. Right. So that in, in that sense, like it's a really good, um, number for vocal adrenaline to be doing. Right. Um, and, um, and, I think that it's it's right. It shows that like this is like a pretty excessively you know choreographed. I mean, they, you know, they don't break out the pyrotechnics or anything, but it's um, it's a pretty um, it's a pretty over the top uh, number for um, for for a show choir to be doing right. And they 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 do it up right. They they don't they spare no no amount of of drama. And I think in, in one sense, another way to read like sort of juxtaposing it with the birth. Is like you know, um, is, is sort of setting the stakes of oh, like show choir versus uh, versus giving giving birth, right? And and that it's uh, you know, and and so I think you can also see the you know the even though this is like oh yeah, um, you know the 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 teenage, the guy the kids in vocal adrenaline saying oh yeah we're gonna kill with uh, you know we're really gonna kill with Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, really, in the scheme of things that are uh, um, big and important, it's pretty small compared to the you know yelling "Let me go" as as you uh, you know uh, squirt out little Beth. <laughs> well, the, and this is the point. I mean, this is the point that Rachel makes to Shelby, right? That that like we beat you because we, you know we brought the heart, you know, and and you just brought sort of technical excellence. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, you know. This is, this is backtracking, uh, not really the point, but um, you can even 
talking about like the different ways that uh, Vocal Adrenaline does things and New Direction does things, for Vocal Adrenaline, they have presumably been running that Bohemian Rhapsody into the ground for like the past, uh, the past year, whereas New Directions has a new idea for what they're going to do every single week. I feel like even Queen's Baby kind of gets that. Like, you know, first it's going to go to uh, to Terry, and then maybe she's going to raise it, and then, like, Finn's going to be the father, Puck's going to be the father, it doesn't have a name, it's going to be named Beth, finally it ends up going to Adina Menzel. It's like every every week a new baby, rather than something where, you know, nine nine months uh, in the past, you, like, you conceive it, and then you have a, a Talos, which ends up with the kid graduating from, you know, from Harvard uh, in, in 2025 or whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, it's, it's like no, no consistency of identity uh, in any of their projects, even something like, like having a child. Cool. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, uh, you, we're we're kind of, we're kind of you, floundering. You want no, you want you you just won the podcast. You know, um, I think no, I think that that's um, I think that's right. But then, like, I guess that, then where does that leave? Um, I, I guess it, this, this comes back to if there is no sort of consistency, even in like having a child. Then you know, does that leave a glee in a world where ultimately every, everything is pretty light? You know that even like you know the process of having a child, which should be a momentous thing, is is just middle, um, and it's it's you know it's it's just one one piece of middle that goes on, and you think about it differently as each day goes on, but it doesn't accumulate meaning; it just kind of shifts meaning, and then you die. You know what it is? It's there's not um, there isn't a a standard causality where events at the beginning have effects on the end. There's kind of a pointillist causality where certain moments stand out. And like the, the nine month progression of pregnancy and childbirth is nothing consistent, but the act of childbirth, which is this huge point of rupture that matters. You know, the, the experience of giving birth will probably have effects for Quinn's character in the way that the experience of being, a you know, over time an unwed mother uh, is not going to. And in the same way, all of like the huge dramatic moments in Glee, the really, really great ones, have been these scenes that are kind of out of nowhere, you know, where like uh, where Kurt's dad calls out Finn. Like yeah. it's, it's just this point and it doesn't matter where over the course of the season that happened. But, you know, when we go into the next season, we have this collection of of wonderful moments and they all just sort of like sit in a drawer and you pull them out when you need them or something like that. Well, and that actually fits very well with like the way the sh- like the musical numbers are fit into the show. Right. Whereas like almost every show ends with a big sort of set piece, you know, big number. Right. And whether it is like a big performance. Right. Like your performance at, um, uh, you know, at regionals. Right. Or even like. You know, in when uh, Emma is is trying to encourage Will, she once again pulls out this one of these moments, which is his performance at nationals, right? Mm-hmm. So these big, the big sort of center stage competitive performance of the show is like you know those numbers, um, and those are like the are you know you can't always get what you want. Your don't stop believing. Um, yeah. Your yeah. your uh, uh, what's the the other queen que- uh, the other queen number that was done earlier? Uh, somebody to love, right? These are yeah. like the big takeaways. Whereas like the the sort of um, other songs that happen throughout are much more like process, right? A lot mm-hmm. of these show a lot of the smaller numbers that have that are much more intercut in this kind of stylized way are about the cognitive process as it develops in these moments that then are related in in some like. Um, way to these big moments, but it, like you say, not in a sort of um, one-to-one uh, uh, causality. Yeah, and one of the one of the things that marks the season finale and makes it really good as a finale, really brings closure to the season, is that these like these huge moments are kind of thick on the ground, right? Like Bohemian Rhapsody and Don't Stop Believing, and I'd say Two Sir with Love are all pretty big heavy duty songs there's lots of big dramatic moments both in terms of like the the performance and also just in like terms of shocking plot twists on the on the small level you know it's like i've left your father i'm having my baby like i'm i'm uh i'm chuck gets stabbed in an alley in prague Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck dies. Chuck dies, and then uh, Kinnard shoots the guy who stabbed Chuck. It's awesome. 
Um, so do you want to kill Chuck? Do you want to, um, you know, do you want to, 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 to pop out a baby? Um, do you want to, uh, do all of the things that we do, you know, send us your reading responses, uh, for, for, for this, for the finale of Glee, um, at TFT podcast, uh, at, at overthinking it.com. Um, and find, uh, you know, go, or give us a call. We haven't had a too many, uh, voicemails. So give us a call. 203-285-6401. That's 20 fat Jago one, uh, at reply us on Twitter. If it, if, if, um, a flash of inspiration, uh, comes to you on the, on the road, that's uh TFT podcast. Um, and I think, you know, definitely, um, most of all, Send along your suggestions for where we go next because we are now fresh out of new, of new teenagers fucking. There will no, there will no, there, 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 <laughs> no, no. There the teenagers no, look. Life is a beginning and an end, and a whole lot of middle. There will always be fucking teenagers. There's a whole lot of. There's a whole lot of. That's right. Life is a beginning and an end, and a whole lot of fucking teenagers. Um, yeah. And and when you're a fucking teenager, though, though when you're a fucking teenager, the end may come very quickly. Uh, one of the benefits of being a fucking teenager is that a new beginning is never far away. So the um, yeah. So so what do we do, Ryan? How often can we expect to see you, or are, are Jordan and I gonna gonna hold down the fort for? Uh, well, no, you know, as much as I. Um you know, as much as I, I like to, to chill with, um, you know, semi-nomadic pastoralists, um, I'm actually <laughs> um, moderately sedentarized. Uh, hey, some- Ryan, we call, it, we call it recording a podcast. <laughs> Listen, I, I call it you, you know, you imposing your, um, your hegemonic forms of settled life upon my free nomadic spirit. Um, you know, I call it, I call it the art of not being governed, the art of not being podcasted. Um, you know, um, I, I, yeah. I, I have a social structure of escape. Uh, drink your cow blood. Shut up. <laughs> is that the title drink your cow blood i think that might be the title <laughs> oh i was gonna go with i was gonna go with pointillist causality because i think that what that that when you said that i think you encapsulated something really true and really profound about how uh how glee works i mean how the the kind of the, the narrative project of of glee works but you know i'm, I'm i'll tell you to... drinking, drinking cow's blood right from the neck is one of those moments uh, i'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great i'll tell you what it, it doesn't um, matter when you did it. The experience of having done it is something that, like, that per- persists uh, synchronically across time, right? And that, yeah. and that every time, every time you kind of reprise that particular that particular moment, you uh, it has new added meaning. I mean, it's been freighted yeah, with and kind I, of more. I, I, I often it's when I sing DMX's "Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood" into my mirror, <laughs> into my uh, with my uh, with my with my uh, hairbrush. Like that's that's how I relive my. Uh, my messiah initiation. Um. <laughs> so, um, uh, so the, I mean, it's been. But yeah, pretty... I'll be here. I, I'll be here most weeks. Maybe not every week, but um, I, you know, my apartment here is. Uh, you know, shout out to uh, to my boy Charles and Dogo of uh, Solaris uh, Solaris uh, Internet Solutions here in Nanyuki, uh, who has um, great high speed, high quality uh, internet right here in our apartment in yeah i mean this is amazing this is a three time zone two continent we're going from west the you know the western united states to uh to east africa you know yeah we need we need someone we need someone in burma or something right like to really (laughs) round it (laughs) and and yeah uh you're you're just north of the equator aren't you yeah, just I mean I mean I'm literally a five minute walk north of the equator. <laughs> there's a there's there's um there's actually a set of, of kiosks right on the equator and there's a guy um there's a there's a, a Kenyan guy who goes by the name Professor Equator and if you pay him like ten bucks, he, he shows you the what is it? It's the Coriolis effect, I think. Um but apparently it's all sleight of hand. He just kind of like jogs the jug one direction on one side of the equator and then the opposite direction on the other side. That's fantastic. Um, do you just yeah, like run yeah. back and forth between them being like, it's summer, it's winter, it's summer, it's winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, like with like a parka and a tank top. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, summer on the equator feels a lot like winter on the equator to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty much equal votes for, uh, for summer school, for uh, taking another 
TV show. My my choice would be either Skins or Dawson's Creek, but uh, Skins seems to be an early seems to be a favorite among a lot of people, and especially Skins our on, Skins is on Hulu, right? Uh, Skins is on Netflix streaming. Netflix streaming. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, and it's, it's and I'm British. sure there's lots of extremely legal ways that I can um, uh, get it here. It's on. Yeah, it's on the waffles. It's on the waffles. It's on the. It's probably in the uh, hands of, of Justice, my um, my DVD supplier, um, <laughs> uh, the, the dude named Justice, who who hooks me up with uh, lots of extremely legitimate copies of, of media. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, and I totally then, uh, don't have Chinese subtitles. Um, sorry. <laughs> but then the John John Hughes movies have also gotten. We need we need tiebreakers. So you know, write in TFT Podcast at overthinkingit.com. Write in and let us know what you uh, what you want us to do. Yeah, and we will we will be here. I mean, we'll, there will definitely be um, a show next week. We'll figure we'll figure something out. Um, write in uh, as soon as possible. We'll brainstorm, and then I think we'll um, advertise. I guess check in on the show notes uh, to this episode. And we'll we'll announce the assignment, um, you know, the required viewing for next week. Um, and that's the nice thing about a show that airs every week is that it's a nice kind of coordinating device. Uh, so we have to, you know, at least find a way to either advertise on the site or um, or, or on the on our twitters um, what what we should all check out. So we'll try to, you know, make that decision maybe over the weekend so that we all can, um, you know, get on the same page for. Uh, for for recording and, and listening and reacting and we'll uh you know we'll we'll, we'll draft a syllabus or something <laughs> absolutely and that right. which has got to which has got to go to the to the academic dean you know to uh to be approved before we uh before we can do it no that's that, 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 that's yeah that i mean it's if, if nothing that... <laughs> he said is yeah, that we, pencil do the academic dean i mean that's the uh that's the joy of uh, you know you're you're sort of the um, you know you, you you run this you run this town um, like Jay Z Rihanna and Kanye. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, so we're not totally sure, but uh, what we'll what we'll be doing. But you know, blah, I totally I was I was gonna I am not gonna let you finish. I'm not gonna let you. <laughs> I had that joke, but I just buggered it. Here's my here's my joke. We're not sure what we'll be doing, but you know who's gonna be doing each other. And then we were going to go into the end, but you, you, you do your, you do your ending. That was really a good one. Can can you do that? <laughs> well, even though we're not sure what we'll be doing this summer, I know who's going to be doing it. Teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> we so colonized your ass. <laughs>